Evidence and Answers. Divorce is one of the major issues in our culture and in the church today. However, few Christians and churches understand how to deal with those hurting from this experience. What does God's Word teach regarding divorce? Are there just grounds for divorce, or is it never allowed? Can a divorced person remarry? What if reconciliation is just not possible? Can a divorced person serve in ministry, or is he or she banned? Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat Zukren presents a biblical exposition on divorce and remarriage. Pat is a national and international speaker, teacher, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Pat has been going through a series of studies on ethical issues, and today Pat presents the third part of his message on divorce and remarriage. Let's join Pat now on this important topic. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith in Christ, and we give biblical answers to some of the toughest challenges we face in the culture and in the church today. And one of the most challenging topics we've been talking about is the issue of divorce and remarriage. And indeed, this is one that hits home because many of us have faced it personally, or we have close friends and family members who have gone through this tough ordeal. And we're looking at what the Bible says about divorce and remarriage. We covered several different views on this particular position. We know that Christians throughout the ages have held different positions. And I generally presented the four basic positions. And I know that we don't all agree. I Hopefully I gave a fair presentation of all the positions and I hopefully I gave a biblical position of what I believe is what the Bible teaches on this issue. But I understand that there are several different positions and I challenge each one of you not just to take my word for it, but to study God's word for yourself and see what the Bible has to say on this particular issue. But the position I took was that God's ideal is that marriage be for a lifetime and that according to Malachi chapter 2, God hates divorce. That is something that he strongly hates and feels very strongly against. And that is his ideal. However, in a fallen world, the ideal is not always possible and he allows for second best. And I believe that there are indeed just grounds for divorce. For indeed, in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8, as we studied, God says to Israel, I divorce you, O Israel, for your unfaithfulness. Isaiah chapter 51 talks about God says, I have given Israel her certificate of divorce. And so for God to say that, God being a perfectly righteous and just judge, that there are indeed and just grounds for divorce. And if there's just grounds for divorce, then there is just grounds for remarriage for those who have been faithful to the marriage covenant and against their will. They have been abandoned by the other spouse. That is the position that I hold upon this, that I believe the just grounds for divorce, according to Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 19 and other passages that we studied, is unfaithfulness to the covenant of marriage or immorality in a very general sense. But this behavior that is dangerous or destructive by one party in the marriage to the marriage covenant, I believe, is what Jesus talked about when he said unfaithfulness to the covenant of marriage. And thus that allows just grounds for divorce and allows for the party who has been divorced upon to remarry. The one that was seeking the divorce and acting in a sinful and destructive way they are called to repent and turn from their sin and seek reconciliation. However, if the one that sought the divorce and instigated it and acted 
in an immoral and unfaithful way, if they do not seek reconciliation and go off and marry someone else, I believe Jesus says that they have acted immorally or are in adultery in the words of Jesus. So that's the particular position that I'm coming from. I understand not everyone agrees, but I believe I have a strong biblical case, and I exhort you to study the Word of God and come to your own particular position. Hopefully, you'll come into agreement or very close to what my position holds here. Now, how do we deal with the issue of divorce and remarriage? First of all, let's take the position that you find yourself in a marriage situation and your spouse is seeking a divorce. They are in sinful, unrepentant behavior and they want to get out of the marriage and they're doing everything they can to destroy the marriage. And so what do you do when you find yourself in that particular position? You are the one that wants to hold on to the marriage. You are the one that has remained faithful and seeks to remain faithful to the marriage covenant and you want to be faithful and to work the marriage out. What do you do in that particular position when the other one is doing all they can to destroy the marriage and get out of that marriage. Well, I believe Matthew chapter 18 applies here. It says here, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So if you are the one you find yourself in a marriage situation where the other spouse is acting in a destructive way and instigating the divorce and doing all they can to destroy the marriage, you confront your spouse lovingly and graciously but firmly with the truth of God's Word. And if they don't listen to you, then bring two other believers in Christ along, wise individuals, wise Christian brothers or sisters, perhaps mother or father, mother-in-law, father-in-law, wise friends in the church who can come and sit down with the other spouse and listen to why he or she wants out of the marriage and to give wise biblical counsel there. If that spouse refuses to listen, to heed their instruction and he or she has unjust grounds for divorce, then that spouse is called to go to the church, to the elders of the church, and the church is called to come and talk to that individual. And if that spouse refuses to listen to the church and continues in their destructive behavior and they instigate the divorce, then I believe at that point, the spouse who remained faithful and sought reconciliation and went to the church for help and to other believers in Christ, then they are free to remarry. If they've done all they could to reconcile and still the other spouse was unfaithful and chose to abandon the marriage and instigate the divorce. The remaining spouse did all they could and even went to the church, but the divorcing spouse would not listen. I believe in that instance, the divorced upon did all they could. And therefore, I believe in the spirit of what the Old and New Testament is teaching, according to God's word, they are free to remarry. Now, what if, and this is very common, what if the divorced upon goes to the church and informs the church of what is going on and the church refuses to do anything, refuses any kind of church discipline or to confront the spouse who is seeking a divorce on unjust grounds. What do you do in that situation? Well, the vast majority of the times, if the church will not confront the brother or sister in sin, most likely that marriage will end in divorce. And I believe the divorce upon there can either 
pray and continue to wait for reconciliation from the one who has abandoned the marriage. Or I believe that they are free to remarry. They have done all that they could. They went to God's institution, the church. The church refused to do anything. And I believe they have done all they could in obedience to God's word. And they are free to remarry there. Now, that's my position. If you find yourself abandoned or finding that your spouse has been unfaithful and actively instigate and seeks a divorce, I believe the one divorced upon is free then to remarry. Well, what about the one who instigates the divorce by their sinful, destructive behavior? Well, if you find yourself in that position, you are the one that instigated the divorce because, and for unjust reasons, perhaps she or he put on a little weight, perhaps he was bald, you're having trouble in communication, or your husband is in depression and struggling through it, or she is in depression and struggling through it, whatever it may be, but you don't have just grounds for divorce here and you're the one that instigated the divorce and abandoned the marriage relationship. Well, I believe you are called, first and foremost, to repent and turn from your sin and to seek reconciliation with your wife or your husband there. I believe that's God's call upon your life. Now, if you have repented and turned from your sin and sought reconciliation, but perhaps your spouse has remarried or reconciliation is not possible, then I believe that you are free to remarry if you have repented and turned from your and sought reconciliation and it was not possible. But if reconciliation is possible, I believe you are called to reconcile that marriage. Now the next question is, how should the church respond to those who are divorced or going through a divorce? Unfortunately, we often respond without compassion and without understanding the situation. And instead of bringing reconciliation and healing, we inflict more harm. And there's some basic and dangerous misconceptions that many in the Christian community have towards divorced people or people who are going through divorce. One that is very dangerous is that since the man is the leader of the home, any failed marriage is the sole responsibility of the man. The wife is simply the responder to the husband. And if he's a man of integrity and if he truly loved his wife, she would never leave him. She simply is a responder to the man. And I hear that teaching, unfortunately, from pulpits. And I believe that is a dangerous misconception. I know many men, men of God who truly loved their wives and were men of integrity and their wives walked out on the marriage, found someone else and took off or just got fed up and left. But they were men of integrity. They weren't perfect. You know, none of us are perfect in the marriage. And they weren't perfect. They did make their mistakes, but overall they were men of integrity and they did try and they were faithful and their wife departed from the marriage. I know many men like that. Unfortunately, I'm in a lot of churches or Christian groups where they say, no, it's always the man's fault. If there's a divorce, he is not a man of integrity. If he was, the marriage would be there. Well, I know that there are men who are men of integrity who can love their wife deeply and still she walk out on them. How do I know that? Well, look at God. God loves perfectly. God is a God of righteousness and integrity. But the vast majority of the world turn away from God and desire to be eternally separated from Him. Is it because God did not love or God does not have integrity? No, God loves perfectly. Yet the majority of the world turn away from God. In fact, God loved Israel perfectly with compassion and passion and in righteousness. And what happened? Jeremiah 3.8, God says to Israel, I hand you your certificate of divorce for your unfaithfulness. And in Isaiah 50 verse 1, God gives Israel her certificate of divorce. 
What happened? Did God not love? God not a person of integrity? Well, certainly he was. And so we can't make that kind of blanket judgment. What this shows is that someone can be a person of integrity and love and still the other person abandon it. If it happened to God, who loves perfectly, how much more can it happen to faithful men who love their spouse and yet for some reason she chooses to abandon the relationship? And so that misconception that anything that happens in the marriage is always the fault of the man who is the leader of the home, that is a dangerous misconception that we must get rid of immediately. Women are individuals who have a will, who have a mind, who can make their own decisions. They don't just respond to what the husband says. And so that is a misconception that I hope is abandoned in the Christian community, that what, you know, if there's a failure in marriage, it's always 100% the man's fault. I know a particular brother in the Lord who loved his wife and was faithful to his wife, but he went through some tough times at work and fell into a terrible depression, and we were all ministering to him, and I'll admit, he, he was going through some very tough times. He was tough to be around. I mean, normally he's a great guy, but boy, he had been really hurt on the job by friends who were very close to him who had abandoned him and really stabbed him in the back and it took years for him to break out of this depression well his wife there got fed up with him and stopped wearing her wedding ring for several years and paraded herself as a single woman around work i guess testing the market and found that many men were attracted to her and that there were greener pastures and so one day while he went home to visit his family in another state she took everything in house and ran off and found another man and and abandoned the marriage relationship. Well, unfortunately, my brother there was condemned by everybody in the church saying, well, it's your fault. 100% it was your fault. You know, I think that was a very uncompassionate, unbiblical response to our brother there. Yes, he wasn't perfect. Yes, he was going through depression. Yes, you know, perhaps he could have done more, but he was faithful to the marriage. He was indeed trying hard and it was against his will that his wife left him and for the church to condemn him without understanding the situation and all that he had tried he had confronted her he had gone to counseling he pleaded with her to go to counseling as well he had gone to the church but the church chose to do nothing but all that he went through I believe he was a man of integrity but his wife chose to abandon the relationship And instead of reaching out and restoring our brother with compassion, the church condemned the man. And unfortunately, he hasn't returned to the church since. So I believe that's a dangerous misconception that can bring more hurt than healing. Another misconception often here is that in a divorce, the blame is 50-50. Both sides are equally guilty and both sides should equally be disciplined. Well, that's not always the case. Yes, neither side is perfect. But in Many cases, I'm going to say in the vast majority of cases I have dealt with, one spouse remains faithful and is seeking for the marriage to work out and remains faithful to the marriage covenant and is working hard to reconcile and make things work. And the other one is actively seeking a divorce and acting in very destructive ways and unrepentant of their particular sin. And in in many of those cases, one party bears more of the blame. So instead of saying it's always 50-50, both sides are equally guilty and both sides need to be disciplined, I believe that's another misconception that we must put away very quickly. That's going to bring more harm than healing to the particular situation. Well, what do we do when dealing with cases of people who are going through a divorce or who have been divorced? Well, 
I think here, what we need to do is compassionately listen and understand the situation and come from a position of understanding here. In most cases, I believe we're going to discover that there is one party who is seeking reconciliation and is faithful to the covenant of marriage. And often there is one who is seeking a divorce and instigating it and acting in a very harmful and destructive way to the relationship. And so we must look at who is the divorcing and who is the divorced upon. And we need to treat each party differently. When it comes to the divorced upon, in cases where there's someone who has been faithful to the marriage and doing all they can to seek reconciliation and against their will, they are divorced upon. I believe on this particular party, we need to reach out and bring healing and restoration to this particular party. Craig Keener, fine biblical scholar who wrote on this particular topic, I highly recommend his book. It's titled And Marries Another by Craig Keener. He says this, The Bible holds the partner who engages in unrepentant adultery or seeks divorce responsible for the end of the marriage. For that partner is closing the door to healing in the marriage. And if the wrong partner seeks reconciliation, the wrong partner is not to be interrogated concerning where on the range between a perfect and a mediocre spouse he or she might have fallen. God, who knows the hearts of us all, will ultimately vindicate or condemn. But His church, if it errs, must err on the side of mercy rather than judgment. Paul allows for the existence and remarriage of an innocent party, the one divorced upon. And it is time that many Christians today learn to do the same. So I believe we must identify which one sought to remain faithful to the covenant and sought reconciliation. And upon that person, the divorced upon, the person who was abandoned against their will, that person we do not need to judge or discipline, but we need to come alongside them and restore them to the body of Christ and allow for them to be healed in the midst of the body of believers. And I believe remarriage is allowed for that particular party. Now, the one who actively sought divorce and was in unrepentant sin and acting in destructive ways, that particular person, I believe, needs to be disciplined here. They need to be confronted on their sin, called to repentance, and encouraged by the church to reconcile their marriage. I believe in this situation, we must understand the situation and both parties often, we do not treat exactly the same way. We don't discipline both parties. For the one who has been divorced upon against their will, who is faithful to the marriage covenant and seeking reconciliation, they need to be encouraged and restored. For the one who sought the divorce and was acting in destructive ways, in unrepentant sin, abandoning the marriage, I believe that particular party needs to be confronted of their sin, called to repentance, and called to reconcile their marriage. I believe that reconciliation of the marriage is God's ultimate ideal, but it's not always possible. And I believe for the one that has been divorced upon, if they would like to remarry, I believe they're free to remarry. But I believe even better to seek reconciliation, even if you are divorced upon. But if it is not possible, if the other party has perhaps died, that's one way reconciliation is not possible. Or if the other party has already remarried, whether on just grounds or unjust grounds, if the other spouse has remarried, then reconciliation is not possible. Or if the other party is unrepentant of their sin and refuses to reconcile despite the pleas of the spouse, of the 
Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord and the church and refuses after a period of time, then I believe that divorced upon then is allowed to remarry there. Well, we come to a next topic here. Can divorced persons serve in the church? Many say no. First Timothy chapter 3, it says, An overseer must be a man above reproach, the husband of one wife. So a man or a woman who is divorced can never serve in leadership. Well, I would have to disagree with that position. I think what Paul is talking about there is that what he is describing here are men and women of integrity. They can serve in leadership. And this particular passage here, the husband of one wife, I believe what Paul is saying here is that they are faithful to the spouse that they have. And a divorced person, if they were faithful and they were divorced upon, or if they're remarried, are they faithful to the wife or husband that they have now? And I believe that that is what Paul is saying. So I believe divorced people, just like those who perhaps serve time in jail or former drunkards or others, if they've turned from their sin or acting faithfully and they were divorced upon, but they were faithful in their marriage and the one that they're married to now, they are faithful to. I believe that is what Paul is talking about and, and have proven themselves to be people of integrity. I believe that they can serve in leadership. And I believe that's the spirit of the New Testament. David was caught in adultery and he also murdered Bathsheba's husband. Yet he was restored to ministry as king and priest of his nation. So I believe that's the spirit of the Old and New Testament is that of restoration where there is repentance, there's forgiveness and restoration is possible. So can those who are divorced serve in leadership in the church? I believe so. They have repented of their sin and have sought the reconciliation that comes from the church. And if they have shown to be men or women of integrity, then they can indeed serve in leadership in the church. I believe restoration is the heart of the teachings of Christ and the New Testament. Peter, we know, denied Jesus three times, and yet Jesus restored him. And then in Galatians, Peter fell into apostasy, and it is Paul who had to confront Peter and restore him. So I believe that that is the spirit and the heart of biblical teaching there. Well, what can the church do in addressing this issue of divorce and remarriage? Well, I believe pastors must preach on the importance of marriage and also on the issue of divorce and remarriage and take a good biblical position on this particular issue. But it's inevitable that you will have divorced people in the church. And I believe that the church can minister to them and be a place of healing and provide support groups like divorce care for those who've gone through this painful ordeal. And the church can have a plan for divorce recovery and care and restoration for those who have gone through this difficult process. And the churches must have a balance of a strong stand against divorce, but grace to those who have been abandoned by their other spouse. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin, not the unpardonable sin, as treated in many Christian circles. Those who have gone through divorce often feel like they carry a scarlet letter, they, that they've committed the unpardonable sin. I believe that those who have gone through the painful ordeal, if they are involved in sin, they must repent and they can be restored and reconciled to their spouse. And if that's not possible, they can be reconciled to God and to the church if they repent and turn from their sin. There's no sin greater than the grace of God. There's no sin that cannot be overcome 
by the grace of God. And churches need to be a place of healing for those who have gone through the process of divorce. There's no sin greater than the grace of God, and the church needs to be a place where those who repent from their sin can seek reconciliation and restoration, and those who have been divorced upon, that is a place where they can come for healing and restoration there. Well, this ends my series on divorce and remarriage. I hope that I provided clear biblical teaching on this difficult issue. For those who have been divorced or maybe going through this difficult ordeal, I hope it brought clarity to your situation, provided clear direction and encouragement from God's Word. And I look forward to being with you again as we provide biblical answers to more tough issues here on Evidence and Answers. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. If you missed any part of this show or would like to hear the entire series on this issue, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. This show relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Join us next time as we continue our series on ethics right here on Evidence and Answers.